are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Dolphins. It's hump day, October 14th, 2020. I am your host, Kyle Krabs. We have a great show lined up. Going to talk about all 22 impressions from the offensive side of the football. And we're also going to talk about Le'Veon Bell. But before we get there, today's episode is brought to you by Visa. Help support your local businesses, whether they're your corner stores, coffee spots, or favorite shops. Local businesses have always been on your team, supporting you in your community. But right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support, so let's be there for them. The next time you go shopping, make the choice to shop at local businesses and look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with a contactless visa to help support your community. Because where and how you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want to be, official partner of the NFL. Let's jump right in with Lev Bell, because there's a lot to talk about here. The Miami Dolphins scheduled to play the New York Jets on Sunday in Week 6 after some scheduled tweaking from the NFL due to COVID-19. And the Jets have turned their offense upside down in the build-up to this football game, releasing Le'Veon Bell last night, announcing it during the Tuesday night football showdown between the Tennessee Titans and the Buffalo Bills. This was a shocking move to see the Jets so eager to put Le'Veon Bell in the rearview mirror especially because there have been long-rumored whispers that the Jets were looking to trade Le'Veon Bell. But all of those whispers led to no teams eager to jump on Le'Veon Bell's contract, and hence the Jets, amidst the friction involved, have decided to part ways with a standout running back who has looked like a shell of his former self through 17 games with the New York Jets. I can hear the questions already. Kyle, should the Dolphins pursue Le'Veon Bell? Should they try to sign this guy? The running game needs a boost. This is a three-time Pro Bowler, two-time All-Pro player. Players instantaneously get better when they leave the jurisdiction of Adam Gase. He can't possibly be any worse than what he's played in New York, right? He averaged 3.3 yards per carry over 264 attempts in 17 games under Adam Gase. Scored just four touchdowns. He was brutally bad. Take into consideration this. Aside of the year in which Le'Veon Bell missed 10 games in 2015, his four-season four stretch before sitting out 2018 with the contract dispute on the franchise tag with the Steelers. 1,361 rushing yards, 8 rushing touchdowns. He also caught 83 passes for 854 yards and 3 touchdowns that year in 2014. First team All-Pro. Missed 10 games. 2016, made the Pro Bowl in 12 games. 261 carries, 1,268 rushing yards, 7 rushing touchdowns, 75 receptions, 616 yards. 2017, All-Pro again, 321 carries, 1,300 rushing yards, 9 rushing touchdowns, 85 receptions, 655 receiving yards. He had a four-year stretch where aside of the season, he missed 10 games, three Pro Bowls, both All-Pros, and yards from scrimmage of 22-15, 1884, and 1946, and he had 31 touchdowns over those three seasons. 
He was terrific. He was terrific before he sat out in 2018 and got himself this big contract with the Jets. How could the Dolphins not want this guy? And I would say this. Le'Veon Bell is going to turn 29 years old in the offseason. He's 28 now. Le'Veon's entire style of rushing is predicated predominantly on patience and waiting out blocks. He has played in a Pittsburgh offense that has been a ton of deep back set in the backfield, downhill running, smash mouth, multiple tight ends in the game, or or 22 personnel or 12 personnel running between the tackles. Obviously, his receiving chops would be an upgrade for the Dolphins. There's no denying that. But Le'Veon also looks a step slower. Because at the end of the day, Le'Veon has almost 2,000 career rushes at the NFL level. And those three seasons, which he was a pro bowler, he had 373 touches, 336 touches, and 406 touches. And last year in New York, in 15 games, he had 311 touches and barely eclipsed four yards per touch. Granted, some of that falls back under the offense. Of course it does. He still caught 66 passes. But Le'Veon Bell looks a step slower these days versus what he was when he was special back in Pittsburgh. Add in what he would probably prefer to play for from a price perspective, considering his contract dispute with Pittsburgh. He surrendered the franchise tag, and now he's lost market value, and he did not reach the end of that contract. Some estimates put some estimates put him at losing somewhere around $20 million in, in value and earnings for how he chose to handle the dispute with Pittsburgh. He's going to want to make that coin back. The Dolphins can give it to him. But the Dolphins, one of their biggest issues in the run game, never mind the fact that the Dolphins, uh, super heavy 11 personnel space the field, they like to stretch you out. They don't like to line up and go big on big and just run directly at you. They do, but they like to do it out of light boxes. They like to do it out of the shotgun. I don't think that meshes really well with what Le'Veon Bell does and has done and where he's had his most success. But even beyond that, beyond the fact that Le'Veon's going to want money and beyond the fact that Le'Veon's a step slower than what he used to be, and beyond the fact that the Dolphins' rushing style versus what Le'Veon and, and his talents would be most successful in, the biggest issue with the Dolphins' offensive line is sustaining blocks. We get guys in good position. I like what we see from Scheme. I like some of the pulling concepts we've got with Eric Flowers. I like some of the split zone looks that we give with inserting the tight end or the tight end inserting in in an interior gap and and serving as a quasi-lead. But the Dolphins' offensive line is still green, whether it's Robert Hunt, Austin Jackson, Solomon Kinley. Ted Karras is only in his second year as a starter. These guys don't sustain their blocks for extended periods of time. And Le'Veon, with his style of running, which is all predicated around patience and waiting out blocks and letting things develop, will be 
a sitting duck in a backfield for an offensive line that does not sustain your blocks for extended periods of time. And I think that sets him up for failure in that if he hits it and goes, yeah, he can, he can grind out tough yardage. But Le'Veon, how he's been so effective, is patience. But you can't really afford to be patient when your window to hit gaps is so small and you've lost a step as a football player. So you take all these variables, you package them together, and I'm going to make a case and suggest that the Dolphins do not pursue Le'Veon Bell. You could also choose to look at it and say, well, he's no worse than Jordan Howard as a runner, and he's a better receiver than Jordan Howard, so that accomplishes some versatility, to which I tip my cap to you and I say, very good point. (laughs) You could choose to look at it from either side of the coin, but I choose to look at it from Miami's strengths, Le'Veon's strengths, Le'Veon is an aging player who wants a lot of money, and I don't think it's a very good fit. Now, do you bring him in and have him interview and ask him all about what the Jets' game plan was this week? Yeah, yeah, you do. You probably should if you get the chance. That's part of the gamesmanship. That's the risk you run when you cut a star player on a Tuesday night. It's incredible to me that that Adam Gase is the Ramsey Bolton of the NFL. You just keep wondering, like, how does this dude continue to level up and continue to outlast talents, whether they be GM or, or player personnel? He's got nine lives, and he continues to just axe people left and right. He did it in Miami, and now he's doing it in New York. It's incredible. It's incredible. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football. Watching. On to the All-22 observations, and we don't have a special teams observation, so the first one that I do want to shout out is Jason freaking Sanders, guys. How great has he been? He's broken the record for most consecutive made kicks for the Dolphins to start a season. He's 14-14 of on field goals. He's been money, and it, it is such an empowering kind of sensation to, to sit back and feel that like, man, if we, if we cross the 40, we're getting points. Don't just shoot yourself in the foot. He is striking the ball really clean. And I want to give the first tip of the hat to him for being able to convert all these opportunities when Miami did get down on short fields uh, to be able to ensure that they got points. Even as Miami was trying not to do something stupid to give San Francisco more life uh, in a game in which they were in control of at that point in time. On the offensive side of the ball, um, Robert Hunt is a real dude. (laughs) He was super physical. You cannot watch the game, watch his play against Eric Armstead, who's a very, very good player and not be completely blown away uh, how well he played. You would have never guessed this was his first 
reps as a starter in the NFL. Obviously, he got some short yardage reps, but this was a performance that I, I never would have guessed we would have seen with how physical he was, the attitude he brought. There's a rep of him climbing from onto the second level and getting on top of Quan Alexander and like just straight pancaking him, dropping him flat on his back. The double team with Solomon Kinley in which they uprooted some dude, some poor dude, got carried eight yards down the field on a double team. There's an urgency to his play. There's an attitude to his play that like Austin Jackson was really impressive for the pass protection. Robert Hunt's really impressive for the run blocking. And he didn't really get challenged with too much speed off the edge, which is where I think his biggest test will come. But at the same time, uh, his caliber of play all around should have everybody ecstatic to see what comes next for Robert Hunt because he was terrific in week one, as was Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, we, we spoke last week when we did the all 22 impressions from the Seattle game that Fitz just didn't execute his reads. Uh, Fitz got a lot of one-on-ones early, identified them. San Francisco did not change the picture on him. Uh, and even when they went too high, Miami has seen a lot of one-high coverages thus far this season. Seattle ran the most too high uh, out of all the games that I've charted. San Francisco tried to replicate some of that. The, the touchdown pass, the dagger, uh, when San Francisco brought the blitz off the nickel and Fitz hit Preston Williams for the touchdown that split the two deep safeties, uh, that was that too high look that Fitz anticipated soft spot, understood we were getting a runner, and understood because they were bringing the nickel uh, they only had two guys on the second level, whereas Seattle had more guys to push for depth up the middle for some of that kind of like Tampa 2 type stuff. San Francisco didn't have the the bodies in coverage on that particular play to push somebody to drop deep middle. So he anticipated that throw. He knew he had numbers, and that ball was perfectly placed, perfectly timed amidst a free runner, showed great toughness to stand in there, deliver the football. Speaking of Preston Williams, between Preston and Devontae Parker, oh boy. Devontae only caught two footballs for 50 yards and a touchdown. I say only. Preston, uh, and he said so himself after the game, like he's kind of feeling like his feet are back underneath him a little bit, where he was a little stagnant at the top of routes. Obviously, he had the, the target against New England where he fell over at the top of the route and the pick up or the pass got picked, and uh, it was a big turnover early in that game. And you're starting to see more precision for Preston now that he's just about a year removed from the injury, uh, which is terrific to see. And it's really going to help Miami to be able to just go matchups on either side out wide. Preston tracking the ball down the field. I love that he went up and, and got that ball uh, against... Brian Allen on the first target of the game. 
Uh, you would have loved to have seen him keep his feet, but the fact that he attacked the football, went up and go and got it, that's still a win. Those were the three big standouts for me in week five as far as all 22 winners, Preston Williams, Ryan Fitzpatrick, and Robert Hunt. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. These things are totally delicious, and they come in a slew of different flavors, 18 different flavors at your disposal right now. They're great for anybody who's looking to appease the keto diet or have something healthy as a snack throughout the day, something that's going to recharge your body after a workout and post-workout meal. You know, you got a 30-minute window after those workouts to get that food in your system. Built Bar is going to be right there in your pocket, in your car. You can have it anywhere you go. Uh, they've got up to 20 grams of protein, under 200 calories per bar, and one-seventh of grams of carbs and sugar of your typical protein bar. And best of all, they absolutely positively taste delicious. So go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. It can be awkward or embarrassing to talk about erectile dysfunction. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves, saying we had a long day at work. But Roman is here to get you the advice that you want and the help you need with no shame. With Roman, you can get an online free evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. And if medication is appropriate, Roman will ship you real medicine with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started, go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOn and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. GetRoman.com slash LockedOn to get up to $50 off your first month of ED treatment. That's GetRoman.com slash LockedOn for $50 off your first month of treatment. GetRoman.com slash locked on now that the week week five is officially over uh, we do have one more item to attend to and it's tankathon we're a month into the season now so it's time for us to make sure we are routinely checking in on the draft order draft guide the draftnetwork.com director scouting that's me so you know I'm already keyed in on Houston and Miami, where these picks are in the order. We did this all year last year, right? And we're going to do it all year again this year because we got two really important picks that can really help change the direction of both this offense or this defense. As things currently stand, there are three 0-5 football teams in the NFL. One of them is the Jets. There are another five one and four football teams. They are the LA Chargers, the Washington football team, the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Minnesota Vikings, and the Houston Texans. Houston has the best strength of schedule of those five teams at this point in time. That can, of course, change. But Houston, this week, plays the Tennessee Titans, who last night just nearly missed a 50-burger against the Buffalo Bills. Uh, Buffalo is not that bad. Tennessee is not that good, but that game got away. And Buffalo uh, 
kind of walked into a buzzsaw. Tennessee was super ready to play that football game. Miami themselves currently picking 13th. They have the worst strength of schedule of the two and three teams. And there's only one, two, there's only two of them. And then New England is two and two. The only other two and three team right now, that's a lie. There's also Dallas. And Miami has a better strength of schedule than Dallas, but Dallas at two and three is the division leader in the NFC East. So Miami, if things ended right now, picks 8 and 13. That will change. That will evolve. We are looking forward to seeing what that looks like tomorrow. Hopefully we get some news on Devon Godshaw and a potential roster transaction for him if he's placed on IR, which we are expecting. Would marry well with a discussion around the All-22 defensive impressions uh, from last week's game against San Francisco, much like the Le'Veon Bell discussion paired well with today's conversation about the offensive side of the football. One more shout-out to give. Uh, I know I mentioned him on the Victory Monday show. Uh, Matt Burita, we got to find this guy some more touches. He continues to produce some of the biggest chunk plays for the Dolphins, and he's one of these persistent guys underneath that can break the first angle and create added yardage. Continue to be impressed with Matt Breida in a limited look. Let's see if the Dolphins don't start to transition and use this game, uh, these, these past two games, really, against Seattle and San Francisco as a springboard to get him more touches moving forward. Kyle Krabs signing off. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Locked on Dolphins. If you did, hit subscribe on the show. Take the ride with us. Keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. I'll talk with you guys again tomorrow.